Welcome to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast. I'm your co-host, Kieran Lefebvre, joined with black belt gym owner, the great and powerful Adam Child. Stop calling me great and powerful. <laughs> it's a Joe Rogan reference. Come on. Oh, is it? Yeah, oh. yeah. He always, whenever he introduces a guest. I'm surprised I don't know. I'm surprised I don't know that. I well, I'm not surprised. I listen to a lot of Joe Rogan. No, you don't. Yeah, so anytime he introduces a guest, he's like the great and powerful fucking whoever it is, right? No matter who it is. So. Does he now, like, is it... Is it something that, regardless of the guess, it's like it's become a thing, yes. similar to Bernardo, who makes an yes. effort now to say it's a huge honor. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's a, it's a shtick, right? It's right, a line. Right. It's a one liner from Joe Rogan. So everyone that is listening, you know, they probably know what I'm so talking. So this about. whole time you've been taking a dig at me, and I've just yes. been like, Kieran yeah, you've been like, cool. I'm not that great, pal. But every time, I'm like, yeah, got the fucker. <laughs> What's up, well, bro? Welcome to the podcast, everyone. What's up, Adam? Today, we are talking about how to destroy a larger opponent in jiu-jitsu. So how to beat that that larger person that, you know, takes advantage of their, their physical gifts of being bigger than you to just squish and squash you. We're going to talk about how, well, to, how a, to deal with that. That's a tough one. I don't know. I'm going to have to make it up because there's no one bigger than me. Yeah, I was just thinking, I don't know how you're going to answer this because you're fucking massive, dude. A fat shit. I can, no. I can probably answer this better better than, than you can because I don't think you've ever faced up against someone that's significantly Eric's larger. Eric's pretty big. Uh, Eric's about the same size as shit. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually fought a guy back at, um, at Blue Belt who... God, I can't remember his actual name. I think maybe Louise was his name. Anyway, it's not relevant for the story. What's more relevant is to give you an idea of how big this guy was. His nickname and like his fight name, the way he would, you know, when they call out over the the PA, your opponent, like he was always called out by his nickname, which was Avatar. Like because it was, this was around the time of the, oh, av- the big Avatar blue, big movie. Big blue bastards. Yeah, like right. if you remember from the movie, the size of the Avatar's, in comparison to the humans, mm. right? They were massive. Yeah. And that's that's pretty much it. I should try have like one photo of me with him. So much like huge, huge. How'd the um well, it was quite funny because we we both won in our respective divisions. Um this it was this uh selectives competition in, uh, in, in Sao Paulo. And if you, you, so you had to get invited to fight that. Well, no, you didn't have to get invited. You had to score enough points throughout the year mm. to, to qualify for this competition. And then if you won that competition, you got uh, your flights paid for to go to, to the Pan Ams in, in LA. So we both won our respective divisions. And so we're on the same flight. And we got to chatting like we were both the, the biggest dudes, uh, but he's significantly larger than me. And he didn't really speak any English. So I sort of, you know, got us the, the emergency exit row seats. And this was before the time where you just paid for them. You right. know, this was sort of like back when they would, you know, airlines didn't use it as a way to make money. They would right. actually reserve it for emergencies and you know, put the appropriate people in the seats. So I got a s- <coughs> emergency exit row seat. So, you know, we got to know each other and stuff. And then even at the Pan Ams, I would help, like, you know, he spoke no English, so he didn't even understand, like, where he had to go to weigh in and all that sort of stuff. So we kind of became friends. Uh, for those who don't know, at the bigger IBJJF competitions, 
to fight the absolute division, you have to make the podium in your weight division. It's not like these small local competitions, at least here in in Australia, where you just can register for absolute. Mm. These comps, you need to qualify for absolute. And so we both podiumed in our respective divisions. So we both qualified for absolute. And then we had to fight each other in the absolute. And we're like, oh, like, you know, we weren't teammates or anything, mm. you know, but we'd still sort of become friends. And... It was a tough fight. Uh, did he pull guard or did I pull guard? I pulled guard because the classic like, oh, I'm against this bigger dude. I'm pulling guard. I yeah. don't want to like deal with his legs. Mm. And again, this is at a time where now I, you know, smaller fighters, I, I consider to be better guard players. You know, previously it was like big, long legs because it was all – a bit more sort of like closed guard and stuff back mm. then. It wasn't as dynamic and open guard and inverting and all that didn't really exist. So um, so I pulled guard and he, God, I can't remember how the fight went. He, I, he, I remember he almost passed and then at some stage, I think, I don't know, I didn't sweep him, but I ended up in his closed guard somehow. So I don't know if we stood back up, then he pulled guard and he almost swept me and couldn't. And I just remember it was a, it was a ref's decision. Was, oh, wow. So I won the fight. I don't believe there were any points scored. Maybe there was, I don't even think there were advantages scored. I think it was zero across, across the board, but there was a lot of like almost. And actually, no, yeah, now I remember a lot of it was my sort of relentless uh, attempts to continually pass. And I never did pass, otherwise there would have been points. And yeah, and I won the decision. But um, that was that's probably not the situation we think of when we think of how to beat a bigger opponent. Because in that case, when we typically think a bigger opponent, I think most people default to thinking about like a bigger, stronger, heavier opponent. Whereas myself and this guy, Avatar, are both like tall and thin, mm. you know? So we're kind of like Stefan Struve's if you will, just like big, lanky, big, lanky, lanky people. Not usually what people think about when they think how to beat a, a, a bigger opponent. Um, so before I go into my advice as to how to beat a bigger opponent, and we can go into how to beat a bigger, lankier opponent, and I'll tell you how to beat myself. It's not, not that hard. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you, so you started off by saying you think you would have Better More advice. Better advice <laughs> no, I don't think idea. I'd have better advice from uh, from yourself. How? But I do. I do have advice. That but I, I mean, you're you. not. You're not. I mean, you're not. Sometimes you're I'm not the guy. Exactly. I was going to yeah. say. Like, I guess you're. Well, I mean, you fight For context. I'm like I'm 85 kilos. I fight at 85 kilos. Um, walking around, I'm anywhere between 82 and 87, depending on the week. Yeah. So you're pretty much middleweight. Um, I am. In I other am. words, you're oh, in the middle. I think I'm light. No, you're not lightweight. Light, light heavyweight. Well, that light heavy is 88. Yeah. So And then middleweight's 82. I'm 88. So, yeah, light heavy. Yeah. No, sorry, not light heavy, medium heavy. It's medium called. heavy, yeah. sorry, medium. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah. so you're kind, of, you're kind of in the middle. Yeah, so and I'm about, five, I'm about 5'10". So, yeah, like so you're going to have guy, times... Wider guy. Guys bigger than you and, yeah. and t times where the person's smaller than you. Exactly. And I mean, look, even for me, it happens too. Like, mm. I'll, I mean, we've got... Um, one of the black belts in the gym, Carl, he's mm. bigger than me. Yeah. Like when, like not as tall as me, because you know I'm. He's got uh, a lot of six, size. Six four. Yeah. You know I'm like 194 centimeters. Yeah. So I'm tall, but I'm not like 
big. Mm. Whereas Carl, like uh, he's pretty tall and big. Carl looks like a Viking. Yeah, he's like know? six foot one, six foot two, maybe. And he's, and like he's fucking a, wide. He's man. just like a big, big human, massive yeah. chest. How do you beat bigger people? I don't roll with Carl. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. Um, so I think. So uh, this is here are Kieran's top ten tips for avoid <laughs> make it. Yeah, for <laughs> avoiding partners. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think. Um, one of the biggest things that I used to do with rolling with bigger guys, yeah, pull, parroting off what you said, it's it's almost it's almost um, instinct to want to pull guard against a larger person, not to have to wrestle with them. Because if I'm trying to wrestle with a bigger guy, I'm going to use a lot of energy. Even if I do manage to get the takedown somehow, I'm going to use a lot of energy. And yeah, I am going to be on top. But a lot of the time I do opt to pull guard or a variation thereof. We'll go for like a sneaky pull guard to sweep or something like that. Do you think that's instinctive to want, like I, I get- To be what, on the bottom. Yeah. I think it makes sense to not want to wrestle and stand up with a larger opponent. Yeah. But like, yeah. I don't think it's necessarily instinctive to think, oh, I want to be on- If, if be we on really bottom. look at the extremes, like- It's instinctive, but it's not, it's not like, intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Like if we're looking at a- 55 kilo guy and a hundred kilo guy, mm. you would think you quite instinctively think, oh, I don't want to be underneath that dude. Yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying, but I think we'll get into that. We'll get into that. But mo moving on, like I think not letting, if I do pull guard, not letting the bigger person settle in, like don't a lot of, a lot of times you, you look over and I'm like copping a hectic he cross face or some shit. And you're like, why'd you let him, why'd you let him settle in? Like, yeah. and what we mean by settle in is if you had a bigger guy on top of you that whatever they pass your guard or, or something like that. And, and you're allowing them to just settle into their position, like get a heavy ass cross face and just use all of their weight, every single pound, every single kilo of their weight advantage against you. And you've allowed that, then you've pretty much done the worst thing that you could do. You just gave the, the the biggest advantage they have, and then gave the put them in a position where they can take full use of make full use of that advantage. So I mean, it's easier said than done. But if you start thinking that you, no matter what, you cannot let this big dude settle in on top of you, then you start to create opportunities. And this has also led me to another habit that I'd formed, which was um, my do nothing and then do everything habit. And what I mean by that is letting people settle in and then trying to explode out of the position. Now, that's some, exploding out of the position can be good. Like being explosive in jiu-jitsu can be quite effective, particularly to escape. But there needs to be a middle ground when you're not exploding, if you know what I mean. Not just let them do whatever the fuck they want and then explode because then you've put yourself in an even worse position. Well, I'm confused. So are you saying you... This is a, a good thing that you do. That no, it's the terrible. Do nothing, then explode. No, it's bad because right, okay, yes. because then I, I just let them consolidate, and then I'm like, oh yeah, I can explode out, and then I've can let them consolidate into a stronger position where I can't explode out of. So I need to be like making, not letting them settle in, right? Make in, even if it's just smaller movements, less explosive, so less energy. Like not go fucking like bananas, but not let them just get whatever they want. Like actually actively work to improve my position and then explode once once yeah, I can. Uh, um, this is a perfect time for me to give an analogy. Please. And we know that's why people tune in. Analogy, Adam. Analogy, Adam. I got a message on Instagram 
specifically referencing your beautiful analogies. And they said, I love a good analogy, so therefore I love analogy, Adam. Yeah, right. I love that. I love you, person on Instagram, (laughs) (laughs) who who sent that to Kieran. I like it. I think people don't message you on Instagram about the podcast because you operate your business Instagram. You don't have a personal Instagram. I don't have a personal Instagram. They can't find you. They're not... I don't think they're comfortable messaging a, a gym. Why don't just in message the podcast? See, That's this is a good this, question. <laughs> this, this has come up because you got me there. Look, uh, the reason this is a like a relevant conversation is because multiple times, if you guys look at the artwork for the the podcast, maybe some of you have noticed, maybe some of you haven't, but on the the, the podcast artwork, Kieran has a white belt on because when we started the podcast, Kieran was a white belt. He's now a blue belt. And Kieran has told me multiple times, oh man, this person messaged me. They said, we got to change the artwork to me having a so blue many. belt. It's like, oh, this guy, people. this guy messaged. And then he'll show me the messages, but I'm like, man, that's on your Instagram. That evidence is inadmissible. Mm. You know, like I need, like no one is messaging the podcast Instagram. This saying, is some kangaroo court <laughs> shit. Man. You just make it shit up. I'm like, no one is messaging the podcast saying, why doesn't Kieran have a blue belt on? Mm. You know, I'm like, it's all this. Kieran's like, someone messaged me. I'm like, bullshit, Kieran. You just said was like, called your mom and be like, man, send me a message on Instagram. <laughs> all right, this is a call out for our Beyond Jiu-Jitsu army out there to message Instagram, our Instagram about the blue belt. And then it's- when we flood it, Adam will have to concede. <laughs> well, then I'll like always add something. I'll be like, no, Kieran, you got to tap me first <laughs> or, or, or something. Okay. I mean, actually, re- all jokes aside, you're the one that like, no, you're the one who like has the skills to change it to blue anyway. Whereas mm. I don't like, I can't really. For a use second there, <laughs> I thought you you were about to say, all jokes aside, you're the one that has the skills to tap me. I'm like, <laughs> wow, <laughs> yeah, Jesus. No. <laughs> well, uh, okay. Oh, is my face gone red? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, I don't have a personal Instagram. So message the the podcast one. Okay. Uh, there's no, there is, as far as I'm concerned, there is zero evidence to change. Okay. Well, evidence is coming. So stand by for that. Wait, I didn't give my analogy though. Please Let's do. Back. <laughs> Please give your analogy. So I just, yeah, you were talking about, you know, do nothing, mm. then explode or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you would know I like to talk a lot with analogies because it's, all, you know, I think it's a way, it's a really good way to find it to click and make sense for people like one of the ones that I always, always give when I'm talking about, uh, I don't know, any position where you're on top and you need to actively hold the person down. I, act, I quite often ask students like, Oh, have, has anyone here ridden a horse before? And I mean, I didn't grow up in the city. I grew up in the country. I, you know, used to ride horses, race horses. My mum still races horses and still has. Like you f- raced horses. Well, yeah, sorry, race, not as in like, uh, not as in like the Melbourne Cup race yeah, horses. Right. I was but just like, imagining you in a little jockey saddle. No. Like. <laughs> <laughs> You're as big as a horse, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I used to race them. I was like, ready, set, go. <laughs> Legging it. Yeah, running next to him. Um, yeah, and, and most people say no because they're from the city. But, you know, it's it's just like for anyone who has ridden a horse and you say to them, oh, yeah, cool, so you've ridden a horse, it's like doing a, a seated trot. And they're like, oh, like it instantly makes sense the way you have to move. So that's why I like analogies. Talking about doing nothing and doing something, there are times 
that you can do nothing or there are times, positions that you need to rest and recover. But even when you're doing nothing, you're never actually doing nothing. If you think about it like rock climbing, a lot of people have at least gone to an indoor rock climbing center or something. If, you get, if you're doing a big enough wall, there are points you'll need to take a break, mm. right? When you're doing, uh, you know, a 45 degree overhang, that's probably not the time you take a break, right? Like you, if you're in the middle of a real, if you're on a hold that is only like, you know, your big toe on one little, you know, edge and then you're crimping three fingers on the other, like that's not where you can rest. Like when do you rest? Well, when you get really good comfortable holds that don't require too much energy. But even then when you're taking a rest, you're not doing nothing because if you did, nothing you'd fall you off would the fall off wall. the wall yeah like you know unless unless it's like you're climbing actual outdoor rock climbing and there's a massive ledge that you can lay down on like you're never even when you're resting you're still holding onto the wall so and it's the same in jujitsu there are times that you can rest but even when you're resting you're active right so uh the do nothing and then explode like even when you're doing nothing you know, you still have to be doing stuff, yeah. if that makes sense, right? Think if, you, you know, if you ever actually do nothing, you'll fall off the wall. So even if you get side control top on someone or you, you mount someone, right? And you're like, okay, now I need to take a bit of a rest because you know, I just spent seven minutes working really hard to pass this dude's guard and I need some time to recover. You need to still be active. Yeah. So maybe you're... Your active rest is smothering. Ten, yeah, and maybe it's ten percent output or fifteen percent output. It's you know going to depend on you and your cardio yeah. and whatever. Whenever, whenever I am in that position where I'm on top and I am going for a air quotes rest, I try to make my rest as uncomfortable as possible for the person on bottom. That's right. Yeah, as long as as you know, as long as your recovery is quicker than theirs. Mm. And what I mean, I don't, obviously it's not as cut and dry as that because, you know, biologically some people are going to be fitter or recover quicker or whatever. But if we imagine that everyone recovers at the same rate, you know, like as long as you're putting out less effort than they are and therefore you're recovering quicker, then it's an even trade-off, mm. you know? So you might only be putting out 50% effort. Maybe you're still putting out 50% effort, but if we look at it just as zero to 100, you're putting out 50, so you're recovering 50, mm. right? But they're putting out 60 and only recovering 40. Like it's still a good trade. Yeah, I totally right? agree. There's never going to be a time where you're like, I'm putting out zero and recovering 100, and they're putting out 100 and recovering zero. Like it's... <laughs> fuck do you think this is yeah right? it doesn't happen yeah right so yeah that makes sense the initial do nothing then explode out bad kieran yeah bad, bad. but i've 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 gotten <laughs> rid of that habit i've gotten Good. rid of that habit just through realizing and that that this has come through versing bigger opponents so it, it helped me identify a, a weakness in my game or, or not even like quote my game but my mentality of being in certain positions yeah. so now incrementally working is is my my go-to um, so that's point number one that I had for trying to beat bigger opponents. I only have two more. They're quick. So point number two was leveraging the other person's movements. So particularly when you're 
up against a larger person and you are on top, if if the the weight difference is large enough, they should be able to just buck you off with, you know, unless you can really leverage your weight over, you know, to pin their shoulders onto the mat. Now, the example I'm giving here is if you're in like side control, even north-south, something like that, you're going to have a very hard time just pinning them down and, and like big manning them, right? You can't big man the big man. Yeah. So what I mean by leveraging their movements, if they go to buck you off, take an arm, take their back, use their movements against them because you can't really, uh, you know, air quotes, stop them. So just leverage them and take advantage of them. Um, and a lot of the time that would look like if if you are in, in north-south, because I like that position a lot lately because I can get a Kimura there. That's like my, my go-to thing at the moment is... Um, yeah, if I can't progress from side control to mount, I go north south and do you and know what? Kimura. Do you know what the north south position is called in Portuguese? Send it. Sixty <laughs> nine. Yeah, I'm oh, not no making way. it up. Yeah, it's called Meia Novi, which means sixty nine. Yeah, well, it is a six nine. It is. Yeah, I mean, but like ima- <laughs> imagine, <laughs> <Sort> like, <of. laughs> it's funny, like the, the the translation. It's funny the you know anyone who speaks another language or multiple languages would would agree like it's funny the things that you know in one language if you're at a point where you're fluent enough in in another language you can just switch to that mode of thinking mm. where things like saying all right guys we're going to go around to 69 like it doesn't sound weird if i mm. say that in portuguese because i'm in the, like i've switched that part of my brain on but right. it is funny the things in different languages how yeah. you can say this but oh man like oh that in english no no bro you can't <laughs> you can't say <laughs> you that you can't say like, that yeah, <laughs> yeah. so when, yeah north south so again the example of if i was in side control or even north south whatever and they they go to turn Makes take their arm <laughs> makes the north south choke sound way kinkier 69 choke the 69 <laughs> choke <laughs> but funnily no it's still I, called I, it's still called a north south choke most of the time when i'm in 69 i'm choking. <laughs> <laughs> oh god pg13 okay <laughs> uh this is gonna affect our uh, advertisement um, good point what's the third one yep uh is Again, when, when you're going for stand-up, this is very, very specific. And this is something that I've been able to pull off a couple of times on bigger opponents, but not as consistently as I would like. It's more like a trick. So if you are going to... Say, for example, you do want to end up on top, right? You're, they are bigger than you, but you still want to end up in top to not get squished by them. And maybe your guard shit is to... <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe is to... Um, they're probably, they might be expecting you to pull guard because maybe that's what happens to them. Like small opponents pull guard against them, so they're expecting it. So use that to your advantage by faking a guard pull and going for an ankle pick or going for a guard pull and tripod sweep. So try to leverage the fact that you you know that they know you're going to pull guard or yeah, probably. So starting to go on the sort of, you know, the, fucking the chess mental game. battle. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's leverage, again, it's kind of leveraging their expectation against them. And a good example of the ankle pick I'm talking about is uh, Jordan Teacher's jiu-jitsu has like a little short of like uh, fake ankle pick against a larger opponent and literally just sits down, the guy steps forward and he just ankle picks. It's so easy. Yeah. yeah. But there's so many different variations of ankle yeah. picking. Yeah, so all, all of that is good good sound advice uh, i'm going to try put it just in a different way of of digesting it which you you know to give my my advice on how to beat, beat bigger opponents and yeah i'm a big person but i have spent a lot of time training with bigger opponents you know i used to 
train regularly with with Lel Nogueira, who's bigger than me, Bernard Faria, who's bigger than me. Big dude. You know, another, another guy called Batista, who's one of Fabio's best black belts of all time. Unfortunately, never won the worlds at black belt, but he was one of those guys that, you know, in the gym would just make other people, would make other world champions look like shit. He just unfortunately never reached that level uh, in competition. You know, so I've trained with a lot of people that are uh, bigger than me. So starting standing and against the bigger opponent, and when I, w- again, thinking about bigger opponent, I'm thinking that sort of 50, 55 kilo person against the 90, 100 kilo person. Realistically, you're shit out of luck and you have to pull guard, right? Uh, you, you're just, you're not going to take them down, Right. The chances of them pulling guard is probably pretty slim. It could happen. But there's been plenty of examples in recent competi- recent not recent competitions, but as of 2022, within the last few years, there's been plenty of examples of seeing this. Uh, Lucas Lepre fighting absolute. Mikey Musumeshi fighting absolute. Lachlan Giles fighting Lachlan absolute. Giles fighting absolute in ADCC. Uh, there's the... That guy who was just on Who's Number One, known as the Giant Giant Slayer, right? He, he just fought Mikey Musumeshi on Who's Number One, but, you know, he's, yes. he goes in ebbs, every absolute division. You know, so there's plenty of examples of, of smaller guys fighting bigger guys. And you'll see that they kind of always pull guard because they're not going to take the bigger guy down. Maybe they could. Maybe the little dude's a Division One wrestler, but most, most people aren't. So you shit out of luck, you have to pull guard. <coughs> Right, so get on board with that. <laughs> when you're then playing guard against the bigger opponent, how do you just not get smushed by them? Okay, I'm going to try put it into some simple ways for you to think about it because I don't want to talk about specific techniques because everyone's going to be different, you know. But obviously, you need mechanically sound frames, and what I mean by mechanically sound frames is think about, think about scaffolding, right? Like scaffolding that goes on a building or, or anything that's just like, you know, if you were to build a tower out of paddle pop sticks where it's kind of just these structures and everything kind of meets at right angles and, you know, building scaffolding is a very sound, basic skeleton structure, right? Yeah. Well, your body's literally a skeleton. You kind of need to make sure your frames, uh, think about your frames almost like scaffolding, Right, it needs to be this skeleton structure that is sound. But if one piece of scaffolding were removed, the entire structure would collapse. Right, so that's the way I think about my frames. You obviously need your frames because then, you know, it's it's not like your your fifty kilo frame is necessarily going to support a hundred and fifty kilo dude. But you know, your your frames can cop more when they're mechanically sound they can cop more weight than you probably realize they can okay but more importantly than that it's against the bigger guys the fundamental concept and this goes for whatever position you're in is using your attributes against their attributes what do i mean by that well you briefly touched on it if you try to big man the big man you're gonna lose man you like you're not gonna win that matchup. Same as if, as, and then so what are the smaller person's attributes? Well, they're typically your, your agil- agility and speed, 
right? So if the big man tried to go toe-to-toe with the small person in some fast, quick, scrambly-style match, the big dude's probably going to lose, right? The big guy is trying to control you, use their size and strength to dictate the match. So you as the smaller person, it's your responsibility to be quick and fast and use angles the same way that uh, in an MMA matchup, if it's a striker against a grappler, like the grappler doesn't go in being like, oh, I'm just going to strike and go toe-to-toe with this guy. No, it's about the... They have two different skill sets and they're trying to take the fight to that position where their skill sets can shine and use that against their opponent. Uh, and I think Cabrinha said it in an, in an interview years ago. Or it might have even been Hodger. It was, you know, one of, one of the big names. And it was addressing when people, people say, oh, you know, you're, you're so big, you use too much strength, blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, man, like piss off. Like I'm big and strong and it's one of my attributes. Complaining that someone, a big, strong person uses their strength is like complaining that a 50 kilo person is too fast or someone who's, you know, crazy flexible is, you know, oh man, you're using too much flexibility. Oh man, you're using too much agility. Oh, you're using too much of your, you know, God-given talent to have double-jointed shoulders and you should have tapped you know, or <laughs> that's a stupid example, but you know, like strength is a physical attribute as well, right? It's, and all these physical attributes, you will, so obviously, naturally, you, you have a give, given amount, right? But they can all be increased, right? Like you can make yourself stronger. You can, you can't change your size, obviously. And I mean, your you, height. Or, yeah, you, you yeah that's what I mean, right? Yeah, you can't, you can't change your height. And let's say in, in, the, uh, in the context of what I'm trying to explain, you can't change your weight. We know you can. You can put on weight and lose weight. But, I mean, you can't go from being a 50-kilo human to a 100-kilo human. Like, I know you're looking at me, <laughs> like, uh, like ex-bodybuilder <laughs> here. Right, but no, you I'm know, more thinking it, just obesity, but yeah, or obesity. But in the context of what I'm saying, you, yes. you get what I'm no, saying, I totally right? Get like, what you're saying. imagine you don't want to change weight divisions. Yeah, is what I'm saying. Yeah. So you can't you change your weight or your height, but you can increase your strength. You can increase your agility. You can increase your flexibility. But obviously, like, there's limits depend depending on your base attributes, right? So, like, if me and the giant slayer decide, you know, we're going to increase our agility. Oh, I'll, I'll probably whatever his max agility is, my max agility is not going to catch his. Just fucking physics, right? Like, mm. I mean, I'm 100 kilos. He's like 50, you know. And conversely, like, it's the same with size and strength, you know. Yeah, he could, as strong he as he can be. He would never be able to be as strong as you yeah, can be. Yeah, without, you know, staying in his weight division, mm. he can get stronger, but he'll never get as strong as me without, yeah, turning into a fucking, what's that dude, the, uh, um, the bodybuilder who looks like, I think he's retired now, Heath something? Oh, yeah, Heath Ledger. No, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about Phil Heath? Phil Heath, yeah. right? Yeah, like, you know, without turning into a Phil Heath, he's, you know, he's, he can't get as strong as me. Okay? So it's always going to be, if you're the smaller dude in the matchup, your base attributes, you're always going to be like faster and more agile than the big dude, right? So you have to really like David Goliath. 
I remember I was rolling with Malfasini. Who's Malfasini? Where's he? There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I need to have access to these <laughs> buttons too. I don't know which does which. If I had lent over, I probably just would have played the outro song. You would have like, <laughs> stop the recording. Yeah. <laughs> Bruno Malfasini, you, are you being serious? Or no? Or no, nah, be serious. Like who? Come on, man. We got white belts listening to this. <gasps> yeah, but Kieran, I expect more from you. See, this people, this is I, why he's still a white belt on the rocket. I also got a message on Instagram recently saying, you know so much for a white belt. I'm, I need to step up my game. Oh, like, well, so, there so you, there you right, go. Right, right. <laughs> Bruno Damn it. <laughs> Bruno Malfasini, uh from the same gym as me. He's the, he recently lost to the to Mikey in the finals of the worlds last year, but but Malfasini is oh. like the best rooster weight. God, now I'm like question, questioning my knowledge. But people go on about like Bushesha being like, oh, thirteen time world champion. Mm. I'm not taking anything away from Bushesha, but he's thirteen world titles across two divisions, like his weight division and the absolute division. Right, right. Whereas Malfasini is a ten time world champion at weight. In other words, like he's won worlds for wow. ten years, right? Whereas, like that's unfortunate that maybe maybe it's just me, and maybe I'm trying to like blame my lack of knowledge on some some other force. But do you think that lighter weights don't get as much attention as heavier weights? A hundred percent. I mean, they are now because the smaller guys are have their own game styles. Ha- yeah. yeah, that is becoming super unique. Well, yeah, not necessarily unique, but just. You know, their ability to like invert and attack the legs and Fair stuff. And, and yeah. you know, it's it's awesome and it's super entertaining. Uh, but yeah, they don't get as much recognition because they really can't f- compete in absolute, right? You know, often when you first get into jujitsu, you're told the story of it was designed to beat the bigger, larger opponent, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but... Any martial art, when you're talking about self-defense, self-defense is always off the basis that the uh, the attacker or the aggressor doesn't know how to fight, right? Or doesn't know how to fight Jiu-jitsu. the art form that you're going to use to protect yourself. So, you know, when, when you are talking about like the 1% Jiu-jitsu fighters, like the best guys in the world that are all just as technical and knowledgeable about each about jujitsu and the one the only factor that's differentiating these two people is that dude's 30 kilos heavier like it makes a difference completely right so you know lepri has competed in the in the absolute so has musameshi and they've done well right but uh yeah as a whole they don't get as much recognition because it's even like people have asked, why doesn't Malfasini do uh, ADCC? It's because he's too light. There's no divisions that really give him a chance to shine because he's too small. Right, okay? so 66 would be like their, one of their lightest divisions, I think. Yeah, for, I believe so, yeah. Men. And he's like, man, he's a tiny human. But anyway, the, the, the story, I was going back to using your attributes, I was rolling with Malfasini years ago, so long ago. This is back in Brazil. And he was on the bottom. He had De La Hiva. He was holding onto my ankle. And I stripped the grip by like, you know, you kind of turn away a little bit. So your foot's facing in the direction that their, their grip opens and you kick out, right, to, to break the grip on your ankle. Mm-hmm. And, then you, and then you square back up. 
I did that against Malfasini, and he was so fast <coughs> that before, excuse me, <coughs> he was so fast that bef- when I broke the grip before my foot could touch back on the ground, he was already standing up, double legging me. You know, like Jesus so Christ. fast, right? If if he just tried to like muscle me imagine if he tried to sit up on a single leg when my when i'm nice and planted and square it's going to be like man he's not getting up mm. you know it's the the size and strength difference is way too great but he use, he's using his agility okay so that goes in with you saying don't let them settle in you're kind of forced to pull guard but then you have to use your attributes against them it's the same for me when i roll with big carl right Carl's like a Viking. When he passes, he refuses to get off his knees, right? So, yeah, you can maybe go K-guard and get in under the legs. It's Of course, it's always a possibility, but it's a lot of work. He's got like a really heavy base. But I, even though I'm a big guy, in that matchup, I'm the smaller, more agile guy, right? That's the other really important point is you have to look at the matchup and maybe you're a little dude, but in that matchup, you're the big strong guy. Then you have to recognize that your base attributes against this particular opponent, uh, that you're big and strong. So against Carl, I'm small and quick, even though, but against you, I'm not, right? Yeah. I mean, I can still like run circles around you, but I'm not. Right? I don't think it's got to do with speed difference. That's, uh, that's something else there. Thank you. Cheating. Yeah. (laughs) I'm friends with the ref. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. So like, you know, when I roll with Carl and and I pull guard, I use my my speed, my agility, my angles, and I often like collar drag slash arm drag him and get up round to his back, you know, uh, opposed to doing a more traditional sweep that I would do against it's you or someone closer to my weight. Yeah, that arm drag's pretty effective against larger guys. Hey? Yeah, arm drag or collar drag in the gi, really good because and then because you're faster than them by the time, even if it's not the most uh, beautiful arm drag, by yeah. the time you do it, like just the sheer time it takes them to yeah. square back up, you're already round the corner, round at their back. Yeah. You know, so. That is the core fundamental concept of using your your attributes, in this case, as the smaller person against a bigger person. The next thing you said uh, when you're on top, kind of, you know, realizing that you can't hold them down, so so take what they give you, you know, when they bridge and explode, take their arm yeah, or whatever. Yeah, you got to be ready to float. Yep, for sure, right? Uh, I don't disagree with that at all that goes hand in hand with, you know, yeah, using your, your, your attributes. So when they do bridge and roll or whatever to escape mount, you're really quick that you can, you can dive on that arm quicker than they're probably expecting, quicker than someone their size could do it. But I do just want to help people understand that you, depending on the weight difference, you may be able to hold them down. Some people listening have maybe trained with a 50, 60 kilo person who feels like they're 100 kilos, you know, and I definitely have. And there's, a, there's something really special that they're doing that makes them so heavy. Right? Because you can be little and heavy. 50 kilo person mounted on a 100 kilo person, okay, maybe not going to be able to retain mount, right? 
it's a very big weight difference. But sometimes, you know, like that 70 kilo person against 100 kilos, they should be able to retain mount, right? And what, what is that person doing to feel like they're 100 kilos? It's about being able to put your 70 kilos on a dime, right? And you have to know, and that dime is dynamic and changes all the time, okay? This is, to, to, to give you a physical example that you can do that represents this, right? Get a, get a partner and get them to lie down like side control on the bottom, right? And you're not going to go side control. They're just lying on their back, okay? You're to their side and you're going to put all your weight on your hands on their near side shoulder, right? Just on the shoulder, almost like, like your hands as if you were giving CPR, right? Just put your, you like both your hands on that one shoulder on their shoulder closest to you and pretty much go into a push-up position almost. So you've got like almost all your weight going through your hands onto that one shoulder that's closest to you. And now ask that person on the bottom to turn to their side, right? Not hip escape or anything, just get their back off the mat. Just turn up on their side towards you. They'll do it easily, right? They'll be able to turn onto their side very easily because that weight is irrelevant and it's not useful. Now do the exact same thing, but put your weight on the far shoulder and ask them to turn onto their side. And they won't be able to do it, right? It's because it's understanding that in that particular position, like if I put 100 kilos on your leg, it's not going to stop you taking your shoulders off the mat, right? But if I put 100 kilos on that one shoulder or even less, you know, 50 kilos on that one shoulder, it's the, for you to turn onto your side, you need to take that shoulder off the mat. So understanding where to put your weight and when is what makes you really heavy. You know, so you get a good 50 kilo black belt. They understand that. And obviously it's super dynamic. It depends a lot on the position. But when they can put their 50 kilos there and then move it there and move it there, that's why it feels like you can't get them off you, right? Whereas if they just kept it static, like, mm. oh, I'm just going to smush you, you're just going to be able to roll them off or bench press them off, you know? So... Sometimes you can hold down the bigger opponent. You just don't quite yet have, have the, whether you didn't have the knowledge of understanding the, the mechanics of holding someone down or you're not quite yet, it's not autonomous enough for you to put the weight where you need to put it in the given situation. Short of that, then I agree with you. You know, if you can't hold them down for sure, like, you know, uh, Marcelo Garcia famous for saying, you know, oh, how can I, how am I expected to take someone's back if, like, if I keep them pinned? How am I going to take yeah. their back if I don't let them move, yeah. right? So smaller people, that's, again, going back to using your attributes. Uh, but I like what you said, kind of understanding that you may not be able to, to stop them from moving, right? So embrace the fact that you can't hold them down and let them move and then take their back or take their arm or, or whatever it is. Like everything has a trade-off. They can't move in a certain way. And defend 100% of, of everything. Yeah. yeah. Particularly if you're expecting it and you're allowing it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It's the smaller person, right? Yeah. If you, exactly. Right. Because you're already that, that step ahead. Yeah. You know, you're 100%. You're waiting for that, that movement to happen. Mm. Okay. 
So, yeah, you kind of have to get on board with pulling guard. It's very, I mean, yeah. Going for an ankle pick, like, it's not a bad idea, right? If you really do want to be on top. But, yeah, if we're looking at the Mikey Musameshi versus, you know, Muhammad Ali or who, you know, whatever. He's going to pull guard. You kind of got to pull guard. I mean, it helps that Mikey's a guard player. But, you know, he's just not going to take him down or the chance of it happening is super slim. And you want to play the odds. The risk versus reward just isn't quite there, is it? That's right. That's right. And, I mean, look, it's not... It's not impossible that the bigger person pulls guard. It could happen, right? But what yeah. about dealing with someone that may not necessarily be heavier than you, but that's fucking tall? <sighs> what do we do against the tall people? The, oh, your legs are just so long. Mm. It's, I'll keep this one short. I <laughs> 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 even mean to. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll keep it snappy. Again, I'll give you a very simple analogy and it's about distance control, right? If, let's say you're, because this happens a lot, you'll be the same weight, right? Yeah. But you got the short, yeah. the short, stocky, strong dude and the, mm. the tall guy. Think about it in boxing, right? You get the matchup where you've got the, the, they're the same weight, but the short, stocky dude and then the long guy. Mm-hmm. I don't even think you need to know much about boxing to, to know, know to what the game that. plan yeah, is. Yeah, 100%. You know, the tall guy control is going to be... Range. Control with range. Ideally, the his opponent never even makes it past his jab, yep. right? Whereas what's the short guy trying Sit to do? Get it. Yeah, yep. get on the inside, yep. right? Get inside the tall guy's effective range. Mm-hmm. And, it's you know, jiu-jitsu is more dynamic than that, but it is the same sort of thing, right? Me as a taller person, if someone gets in in the pocket on that inside so they get they clear my knee line i talk about this a lot with my students when it when it comes to passing where you're trying to to operate in between the knee and the hips until you can then progress further if you can get past the foot shin and knee right that's sort of if you can get past that knee line you're then on the inside right okay and so for someone like me my size, even though I'm also quite flexible, I've got really good hip mobility for someone my size. I'm quite good at pummeling legs in and stuff. It is a lot of work, right? For once someone is on the inside, for me to regain, a sh- to get a knee back in, like to the space required for me, if I lose my knee shield, the space required for me to get it back in right, is really hard. Or if someone goes for double unders, the space I need to pummel my leg back in, I need way more space than someone your size or smaller needs, you know. I'm sure people have rolled with people who are way smaller than them. They've passed them to side control and then the person just goes, ship and just slips their shin back across your belly. And you're like, what the hell, mm. right? So whereas for me, man, I need a huge amount of space to, right. do, to do your typical regarding from side control escape because it's you know so that it's about the distance control that's what you really need to think about right so you need to get inside operate if this is your passing style so so for me it would be to operate within between the knee and the hip and once you get there close down the space 
and yeah, it's, and it's about progress, that battle. Yeah, yeah, of course. And then once you get like you're in the the knee to hip range, then you start getting closer to just being in the, the hip hips, range yep. to the belly to yep. the you know to consolidate your position. Yeah, and I think my biggest problem, particularly with dealing with you, is you know that I'm going for that. So then you make it very difficult to get past your shins. Yes, which is that's your, right. Which is your job in the in exactly the fight. right. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I won't mind getting again because it is more dynamic than than striking. Um, sorry, all the strikers out there. I don't mind getting compressed, as in having like bearing your weight on my shins with my knees to my chest because that's fine. Like it's yeah, I'm compressed, but, but you're still it, protected. That's right. I'm still protected. I still have very sound scaffolding frames, right? Uh, but yeah, it's once those shins get cleared, then it's then it's hard work, you know. Right. So something like stack passes or over under passes or even knee cuts where you sit in the your opponent's lap, mm. right, are really hard to defend as a bigger person, right? A bigger person is in we're talking about. You might be the same weight, but, but the taller, taller person. person right. If you're then the guard player, right, against the taller person, man, you got to realize they they naturally. Uh, like just because of their size, naturally there is a lot more space for you to work. It is a lot easier to get in under the legs. Right? I tried to heel hook. Um, <laughs> sound terrible. I tried to heel hook one of the kids the other week. <laughs> you know, one of our kids, Ellie, who's a teenager and helps helps out in the kids' classes, and he's on that cusp of going from you know, training in the kids' classes to training in the adult classes. But he's a small kid and, you know, Ellie's trained with me for years so we've got a really good relationship and, you know, we play around a lot. But I just like messing around. And his dad trains jujitsu and stuff so his dad beats him up all the time in a caring way. But I just like friendly tried to heel hook him Man, impossible. Like his heel was so small. Like I I couldn't, like I just couldn't catch it. It was just like every time just ship, ship, just like slipped out, right? So uh, it's really easy when you're, when I get heel hooked, my heel is massive. Like people just, people, people don't even have to dig the heel against me. They just go, oh, you know, even when my toe is pointed like, you know, the best ballerina in the world, my heel's still massive. But anyway, like, well, if you're the smaller dude against the tall guy, right? They give you a lot more space in under their legs when they when they're passing. Just right. naturally, it's just you know. Uh, but then on top of that, you also then need to add your attributes. So even if we are the same weight, but one tall, one short and stocky, or whatever, yeah, you have to be leveraging your attributes. Me as the taller person, yeah, I'm doing a lot of distance control. I'm making sure you don't clear my knee line. Right, whether I'm trying to stretch you out or whether I'm just making sure I keep my knees to my chest, so I've got my, you know, my scaffolding frame and whatever. And you're using your attributes, which is that you that you are stronger and faster, and you don't need as much space, and you can tighten in, you know, and you can compress a bit better than I can compress, right? And so it's the combination of all those factors. Okay. And then you add on top of that, well, it depends. Like, what techniques do you drill? What are you good at? What are you bad at? It's not as simple as, oh, do this. Yeah. It can be very interesting when when you come up against your counter, but you're also their counter. It's not like rock, paper, scissors. It's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you're each other's kryptonite. For example, when I roll with a guy, uh, trains out gym, blue belt, Toby, his game is leveraging his long legs and, yeah. you know, getting in with those triangles, getting in with that really 
really dynamic open guard, whereas my game is, and he, he wears similar weight, but he's the taller person. It's yeah. exactly the same yeah. matchup we're talking about where I'm a lot shorter, but similar weight, stocky and like a bit strong. Uh, so whenever we roll, it, it becomes that battle. Who can, who can win that first exchange will dictate essentially the, the fight, so to speak. Yeah, yeah our, our roles are more dynamic than that, but it's, it's very, very difficult me dealing with that, that shin guard and he finds it very, very difficult dealing with just relentless pressure. So yeah. it's it's so interesting that it's it's, it's they counter each other. It's also funny when you're when you're a bit more at the extremes of the spectrums in terms of you know for me being a bigger, taller guy. It's always it's always really annoying to come up against another big, tall guy. Yeah, because then it's like I've spent years being the bigger, taller guy, and my whole game is developed around how do I beat someone who's like short and stocky, right? And then now I come up against a bigger, taller guy that that typical, oh, I stretch them out from X guard and do this and then I do it against that guy and then I'm like, oh, he's still standing up, right? Because yeah. he's big, you know, he's tall he's enough. That's tall. quite funny when, when, when that happens. It's like in, in, in boxing, right? Yeah, they, you know, Southpaw boxers spend the majority of their careers like boxing against orthodox boxers that sometimes they can be thrown for a bit of a loop when they come up against another southpaw, mm. you know? So that can be funny as well. Yeah, a mirror, a mirror matchup is also difficult. I've competed um, mostly in Nogi, actually, ironically enough, against like dudes that identical mirror matchup, obviously with the same weight, but same weight, like same strength, same height. It's like looking across like a, the a long-haired blonde version of myself i'm like fuck <laughs> yeah it's tough yeah one in particular stands out it was fucking tough which one was that the uh, it was the a no nogi fight in the quarterfinals of um that comp where the, i think it was ajp where i came second in that bracket it was right. yeah in quarters i ended up winning but man it was really tough against this this guy and then the the guy in the semi-finals was pretty much the same so it was like two mirror matchups um <laughs> Yeah, and the guy in the finals was a fucking tall, lanky cunt. That I hate them. I mean, person. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, bleep that. <laughs> that. yeah, bleep that. That's a, that's a bit aggressive. <laughs> ah, he's a good guy. Yeah, um, yeah. So, there your tips, my tips, how to beat a bigger person. Really, the fundamental concept is understanding the matchup. Are you in that particular matchup? Are you the bigger person or are you the smaller person? And you've got your base attributes mm. and. If you, if you want your best chances to win, it's play the odds, right? Don't be afraid. And on the flip side, man, anyone who tells you like, oh, you use too much strength. I mean, depends in what context they say it. Like sometimes I might say to someone, oh, you use too much strength in the sense that you're literally just trying to bench press me off side control. Yeah, you're like, yeah. yeah, but like if someone says you use too much strength as in, you know, or your bridge is too explosive or something like that, like tell them to piss off, yeah. right? Like it's like trying to tell someone, oh, you rely too much on your flexibility. Like, I mean, you use the attributes you've got, mm. you know? So um, that's how you beat the bigger, stronger opponent. Damn. Damn, Well, son. on that note, thanks so much for listening. And just a quick shout out, congratulations to the winner of our Rash Guard competition. Last two episodes, we were plugging that. The winner has been announced as of today i believe so congratulations to you and if you want to support the show we do have a patreon exclusive content on our patreon we do a monthly ama adam does uh some technique reviews and rolling footage reviews and the like so if you want to get amongst our patreon you can find a link to that 
on our Instagram bio at Beyond Jiu Jitsu Podcast underscore podcast. Yeah. At Beyond Jiu Jitsu underscore podcast. And just a reminder, there's zero evidence that people want the belt changed to blue. If you want work. if you want the belt changed, which I know you all do, it's it's driving everyone crazy. Message Beyond Jiu Jitsu underscore podcast on Instagram and address it to Adam. On that note, thanks for listening. Later. <laughs>